0: This week's episode is sponsored by Fungiable by Tom Owen. Fungiable is a debut solo journaling game that uses wretched and alone structure with a unique gambling exploding dice mechanic. Using a set of seven standard polyhedral dice, a deck of playing cards, and a way to record your journey, the player is ushered through, taking on the scourge of cryptocurrency, NFT, and tech bro culture in a horrific, satirical, dystopian approach. They are down on their luck, low on funds, and an opportunity appears to be just what they need to get out of the red and into some serious green. While playing, you will journal the outcomes of your choices and their consequences, some of which rely on entropy delivered by playing cards and dice rolls. Fungible is currently live now on Kickstarter, make sure you check the link down in the description because there are only a few days left to back this project. Otherwise, make sure you keep an eye out on your favorite gaming site to find out where you can get your copy of Fungiable. Greetings, weary traveler, and welcome back to Lonely TTRPG, the solo actual play and review podcast. I am your host, Steel Stash, and this week we are playing One Shot in the Dark by Tale of the Manicore. Now, Tale of the Manicore is a great podcast of solo actual play. So if you like a old school solo dungeon crawl experience that leans more on the audio drama side, definitely go check them out. They've actually sponsored a couple episodes for us and they've given us this to review. So we're gonna go ahead and dive on in. So One Shot in the Dark is not just a rules light game, it is a rules ultra light game. Anyone familiar with RPGs should be able to learn how to play in minutes. If you are not familiar with RPGs, turn to pages 13 through 16 for a more in-depth explanation. Gameplay is fast. A full game can be played in less than the time it takes to watch a movie. So to set up, you are going to need a map with some blank pieces of paper, at least three, preferably gridded, a pencil, some dice, and a deck of cards with the jokers removed. Now, for your deck, you are going to separate it out into the four suits. And then, of course, you're going to need your imagination, but feel free to envision your game as richly or as minimally as you prefer. Name your characters, just refer to them by their types, whatever. It's on you. This is your game. So, for the characters, you are going to have the option of Warriors, Thieves, wizards, and clerics. So your classic your classic tropes, your classic dungeon party trope. Or stats, you only have two stats you gotta worry about, hit points and hit dice. Alright, at zero, your character is dead. But, you're gonna keep track of your hit dice on the same sheet that you're drawing your map. And hit dice are used to determine HP by level and attack and damage rolls. So, warriors are going to get themselves a d8. Clerics will get a d6. Wizards and thieves will get a d4. All characters begin with their maximum hit points available. So, your warrior is going to have eight, for example. But on level up, then you roll your hit die and you will add that to your current pool. So, for combat, combat is actually relatively simple in this game. You're going to roll your hit die for an attack and. A 4 or above is going to hit. A 3 or below will miss. So if your attack hits, then you roll your hit die again to determine damage that you do to the monster. When any character or enemy is hit, the player in control chooses who gets the damage. Uh, But you cannot divide that damage up between multiple targets. One target has to take all of it. There is no AC, armor and toughness. That's all just in your hit pool and your ability to roll a four or above. If you are playing with multiple people, because you can play with up up to four people, if you are playing with multiple people, each person will take turns drawing a card. Now, everybody acts in combat, but each person will take turns drawing a card. So a turn works like this. All right, you're gonna draw a card from the hearts deck, and that's going to determine what type of room in the dungeon that you're in. And then you're gonna set that off to the side update your map if you have any new features indicated, describe what you see, resolve combat if a monster is indicated, and follow any other instructions if indicated. And then that is the end of a turn. So if you draw a card, it indicates a monster, you draw from the monster pile to determine the monsters, and then you will proceed with combat. Now, it doesn't specifically say, but assume that everything is happening instantaneous in combat. So, For ease of things, have the players go first, do their actions, and then even if they would have killed the monster, have the monster go and do its actions. Hopefully it misses, but the monster will go, and if it deals any damage, it deals damage before it dies. That sort of thing. Now, spells and spells like abilities granted through items can be cast at any time. In combat, spells are instantaneous and do not take the place of an attack roll, which is super sweet. So, if you have a spell scroll or something like that, you can use the spell scroll and then attack. But, considering your wizards only have a D4 for their hit die, probably best to just keep them in the back out of the fight and they fling their spell and hopefully the monster doesn't come after them. Now, sometimes you are going to have saving throws. You're going to have some skill throws, like your thief will be asked to sneak or disarm. When that happens, then you're going to roll a d20. On an 11 or above, that's a hit. Or a success. On a 10 or below, that is a failure. So if you're trying to disarm a trap, you fail. Trap automatically goes off, and you take damage if the trap indicates it. Same thing, if you're trying to sneak by something, you roll a 13, congratulations, you did it. Your thief got you through. But here is the thing, if your thief is dead, then automatic failure's on that. These are the only ones who can sneak, these are the only ones who can disarm traps. So hopefully you keep that guy alive for level ups. If a character is going to level up, that will happen when you draw the Ace of Hearts. So if you draw the Ace of Hearts, typically that means you move down to the next level. And when you go to move down to the next level, that is when you level up. Two rules for level up. First rule, everybody goes back to maximum hit points at their current level. You roll your hit die, you add that to the total. That is your new health. If you're looking for a little more of a challenge, then keep your health where it's at and just add the new hit dice. So, a little trickier with that one. And then, of course, before you begin a new level, make sure you reshuffle all of your decks. All right, put all your discarded cards back in their deck, reshuffle those decks, start over again. How to win. Survive to face and defeat the final boss. Have courage, hope, yet remains. And that final boss is hidden on the third level, which is why you need three sheets of paper. So, in general, your hearts are going to be your dungeon cards. They're going to tell you what type of room or intersection you're at. Diamonds are going to be your monsters. So, if you get told that there's a monster there, you're going to pull a diamond. Clubs will be your loot. And then, spades will be your boss. Now, one last thing before we get started, all right? Spells. Clerics and wizards have six spells that they can use. They will know one at the start of the game, and then they will be able to choose a new one each time they level up. There are no spell slots, though. And once you choose a spell, you cannot choose it again. So, the way that reads to me is, you get a spell, you get to use it once in this dungeon. Make sure you choose your spells carefully, and make sure you use it at the right opportunity because these are a very finite resource. All right, so I, go, I went ahead and set up my game board. Now, first things first, we are going to need to name our characters. We are going to go with a standard party of warrior, thief, wizard, and cleric, but we need names. And in order to do that, we need to know who these people are. So what we're going to do is we are going to roll A D6. On 1 to 2, that person will be male. On 3 to 4, it will be female. And on 5 to 6, they will be non-binary. And we will just go straight down our list from warrior to thief to wizard to cleric. So our warrior is going to be non-binary. Alright, so our warrior will be named Dakota. Now for our thief. Our thief will be named Riley. And another non binary. What about our wizard? Our wizard will be a female, a lady named Sophie. And finally, our cleric, another non binary, Jesse. We'll go with Jesse the cleric. All right, so for my audience with that, I rolled a lot more non-binary than I was expecting. So, right up front, I'm going to apologize if I forget to use the correct pronouns. I'm going to try to remember to use they. I may just use they for everybody. It seems to me that uh, it seems to me that Sophie would just kind of go along with it. So, now on to the start. On to the start. So we need to come up on our caverns. We need our party to come up on the caverns. So I'm gonna make a slight cheat here. I'm gonna make a slight cheat. And I'm going to say that we know what the boss is. After all, this is a low level party. And it makes sense that this would be some type of initiation. So we're going to know who the boss is. So we got ourselves the Eight of Spades. And the Eight of Spades will tell us that the boss is a Basilisk. Outstanding. So we need to fight ourselves a Basilisk. So we even have ourselves an adventure name. Welcome, Weary Wanderer, to the Basilisk Fang. A one-shot in the dark adventure. So our party sets out from their safe haven and travels through the woods in order to find the lair of the basilisk. There have been rumors that, there have been rumors that this creature had awakened. Like there have always been myths that a basilisk was nearby, but now there have been rumors that it has awakened And that it is ready to cause havoc once again. And as they travel, Sophie is very concerned as she is going through her books. I just... I just... I just don't know if we're quite ready to handle a basilisk. I mean, after all, we are quite new. I only know one spell. And Jesse over here only knows heal. And as a quick side note, I'm going to automatically give the cleric heal because a cleric should have heal. That's a lie. A cleric should not have heal. Stop making your clerics heal bots. They can be damage dealers. But the way this game is set up, it it favors a cleric being able to heal. But for the wizard, we are going to roll a d6 and randomly choose what spell they have on a 4, so that's going to be enthrall. The enemy must save or join the party as a faithful ally until dead or the level is completed. Does not work on the boss or undead. I mean, I only know my one spell, and Jesse only knows heal. And I'm just, I'm just concerned that us fighting something that big might, might not be the best course of action. <laughs> Jesse, calm down. Dakota will look at Jesse and clap her on the shoulder as they continue to laugh. Now, why, 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 why would the guild send us after this if there is no chance or hope of victory? You got to think, Jesse. all right? They know that we're able to handle this. They know that these trials are important. It is vital for us as a group in order to go into these dungeons and take care of these monsters. That is that is why we joined the guild. That is what our sole purpose is. And after all, there should be no reason why we shouldn't be able to handle this. We're a big, strong lot. This will be... I'm not going to say it will be no problem. It will be challenging. But... It will be all right. Trust me. Ha ha. And Riley is going to give Dakota a sidelong glance as they look at the warrior and just shake their head. Jesse, meanwhile, is not saying anything. They are choosing to remain quiet and out of this fight. After all, Jesse has learned that Dakota and Sophie they like to go back and forth. Sophie is, Jesse has noticed that Sophie is intelligent, but Sophie enjoys, Sophie seems to enjoy the argument. And sometimes her intelligence gets in her own way when it comes to acting. You know, whereas Dakota has no problem acting. They are very quick and decisive. So Jesse has long since learned that The conversations go much faster. If you just let Dakota and Sophie talk it out and don't interrupt because then one or the other will jump in on whatever point you bring up. But before long, the party is going to find themselves coming up on the caverns. And as they approach the entrance to the cavern, Riley is actually going to be the one who stops everybody. And they're going to look up at the entrance to the cavern, and point at a symbol carved into the top of the rock. Now, what do you reckon that that means? That is... that's a new symbol. Tell you what, i never seen nothing like that before. No. No guild or clan that I know uses it. Riley, It's just a symbol. Dakota just waves it off as they get ready to enter the cavern. But, Jesse... or Jesse's actually drawn to it as Jesse looks up at it, because Jesse is recognizing it as alchemical. It's an alchemical symbol. Quite interesting. The study of alchemy has long, long been of interest to the clerics. After all, we do recognize that not all magic comes from divine sources. Look at our fine friend Sophie over here. But the study of alchemy, that that has so often led to... that has so often led to unnatural connotations. And I do not... I cannot for the life of me recognize what this symbol is and that in and of itself should be of concern now Jesse I reckon that you would know best however we do got ourselves a job and the job is on the other side of this here symbol and if Dakota's not concerned then I reckon that we don't have too much to be concerned with either now, but, but, but Riley, D- Dakota's not concerned about anything. Uh, so if we tried to interject, but Dakota is long since swept into the entrance of the cavern. And as they enter, we get the eight of hearts. We get the eight of hearts. And so our cavern entrance is going to be a huge cavern with three exits. So, as the party enters the cavern, they are struck by the sheer size of the thing. The ceiling seems to climb almost 20 feet into the air, while stalactites and stalagmites stick like jagged feet from floor and ceiling, making the space seem both impossibly large and impossibly small at the same time. Unfortunately for the party, as they are staring up at this, they hear a growl from the center of the room. And from that growl, they're going to find the Seven of Diamonds, which is three skeletons with four hit points each. Each one doing a D4 of damage, and they do have the Undead Tag, which means they are immune to enthrall and poison. Dakota is going to laugh with delight as they charge straight into the fray and run up amid all of these skeletons. And they are going to attempt their attack with a miss right off the bat. This is going to cause Riley some pause and Riley is going to attempt to slip along slip alongside the skeletons and... Riley will pull out their dagger and try to try to sneak up behind him and slice at their backbone. Unfortunately, Riley is not able to get themselves in position. Sophie is. Sophie is concerned that. Sophie is concerned that she is not capable of doing anything. So she is actually going to keep to the back out of combat. So Sophie will not be within range of any of the skeletons. Jesse, meanwhile, is going to stand up and raise their mace, and they connect solidly with one of the skeletons, crushing an arm bone and dealing two points of damage. And we will just roll a... uh, We will roll a D6 to determine which skeleton. 1 to 2 will be 1, 3 to 4 will be 2, 5 to 6 will be 3. So, that'll be Skeleton 1. Meanwhile, the Skeletons are all going to start swarming the party. And Skeleton 1 will... And they will all make their attacks. For the interest of time, I'm just going to roll 3d4 for the Skeletons. And whichever one's hit, hit. Luckily for the party, none of the Skeletons seem to be able to move very well. And... They all miss in their swiping attacks. Now, Dakota is rather embarrassed that Jesse is showing them up right now, so Dakota will redouble their efforts and attempt to hit the skeletons once more and just barely misses. It seems that they were aiming at Skeleton 1, but because of the way Skeleton 1 is listing, they just barely missed. Riley will once again attempt to find a favorable position and strike, but is unable to. Sophie is still hanging out in the back away from combat, while Jesse steps up once again with their mace. And unfortunately, they miss this time as well. The skeletons, meanwhile, continue to press in on the group and while 1 and 2 aren't able to do anything of substance, they do manage to push... They do manage to push... Jesse into position of skeleton 3, dealing 1 point of damage as it swipes at Jesse's face. Dakota will once again lift their sword up and bring it in a sweeping motion down towards the skeleton. And this time, they connect solidly. They manage to smash skeleton one right in that injured shoulder. Unfortunately, they only deal one point of damage as it seems that it was already weak and the weakness has made it more difficult to do anything of substance to the skeleton. Riley will continue their attempts at circling and finding an opportunity to attack, but they just cannot quite get themselves in a favorable position. Sophie is feeling a little emboldened seeing that the skeletons are not that effective at fighting. So, she is actually going to step up with her staff and swing, but she just misses. As she goes to swing, she fails to take into account the rock surrounding her and it kind of clangs off the rock. Jesse, meanwhile, also misses with her mace. Jesse seems to be annoyed that they got scratched and it it's kind of distracting them. Now, as for the skeletons, uh, the skeletons are unable to do anything this round. They continue to shamble about the group. It seems that Sophie stepping up kind of confused them and they lost, like, they lost their train of thought. So all of, their, all of their attempts at swiping at the party go wide. Which brings us back to Dakota, who hits once again. Dakota really seems to have found their rhythm. ho! Oh, take that. And Dakota successfully manages to dispatch Skeleton 1, rather handily striking it on the skull and crushing it to a powder. Riley continues to circle, looking for an opening and an opportunity. And they find one. They find one. Slipping their knife into a crack in Skeleton 3. Healing three points of damage as they, find a, as they seem to find a crack in the spinal column that they are able to completely exploit, nearly crippling Skeleton 3 in the process. Sophie is going to step up, and she is going to once again swing. And she manages to connect as well. Sophie has made a hit against Skeleton 2 for two points of damage as her staff cracks against the Skeleton's ribs. Now, Jesse, seeing that both of these Skeletons are almost done, is going to attempt to at least put one of them out of their misery. Unfortunately, they do not. Unfortunately, they do not. So, the Skeletons will now strike at the party, but it seems like they cannot quite get it together. Now, on the one hand, Dakota is pleased that they did destroy one of the skeletons. However, they seem a little miffed that even the wizard seems to have done more damage. But in their frustration, their swing goes wide and they miss their target. Riley once again circling, looking for an opportune moment that they find against Skeleton 2. And Riley Riley manages to exploit the crack in the Skeleton's head. And their dagger finds it and pries it open, finishing off Skeleton 2. And Riley turns and gives Dakota a wink and holds up one finger, showing that uh, they are tied. Meanwhile, Sophie is going to attempt to swing on Skeleton 3, but it seems that uh, she's not quite used to the adrenaline of a fight, and her quarterstaff sails over the skeleton's head. Jesse, meanwhile, wants to put some points on the board as well, and they also just want to end the fight. Unfortunately, they are not able to. Skeleton 3 is... Skeleton 3 should run away, but they're undead. They're a skeleton. They don't know any better. And they continue to swipe ineffectively at the party, allowing Dakota one more opportunity to hit. And they decimate the remaining skeleton with a resounding crash of their sword. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha! You almost had me there, Riley. But, I managed to pull it out in the end. It's two for me, one for you. I mean, I reckon that we're just getting started now, Shug. It's alright. We still got plenty of time. Are, are, are all fights like this? Sophie asks as she looks at the rest of her party members. Yeah. I mean typically this easy. We, we manage to avoid most scratches and Dakota will shoot Jesse a, a sly look. Yes, Jesse replies. Yes, most fights do tend to go like this. A lot of back and forth with really looking for lucky opportunities. But it would appear that we have ourselves from options. Riley, would you care to go and see which way may be the best way? Yeah, I reckon I can do that. And so Riley is going to run off to the three different exits and help find a path for the party. So on a one or two, the party will take the bottom left path On a 3 or a 4, the party will take the middle path. And on a 5 or a 6, the party will take the bottom right path. That is a 2. The party is going to the bottom left. And as they move through the entrance, we get the 2 of hearts, which is a T-junction tunnel. So the party will travel down the tunnel towards the T-junction. And they will stop and look both ways well, I reckon it's about six one, half dozen the other. Yes, you're probably right there, Riley. Shall we just flip a coin? I, I, I think we should keep going. I think we should keep going down, left. Sophie interjects. And for lack of a better option, the party agrees with her. Uh, thankfully, Sophie chose that direction because that direction has the most clear space on my map. And continuing down, the party finds a nine of hearts, which is a creature sleeping quarter with two exits. So as the party enters the room, they see that it appears to be a bunkhouse of some sort, and they can hear the sound of snoring in this room. Now they can see two exits. They can see a door to the bottom and a door to the right of the room. And after after some hurried discussion, they decide to go to the right door, but they need to send Riley to find them a path that will be the least intrusive, and hopefully they can slip on by without being caught. So this will be a sneak roll. Remember, that is a D20 on an 11 or above. We will succeed. And we roll a three. The fates are not with us. Unfortunately, it seems right off the bat, Riley Riley goes and steps on a blanket, which should have helped muffle their footsteps. But there appeared to be some bones underneath it. And some very brittle bones at that. And they snapped at the weight of Riley's foot. And at that snap, they hear the snore starts, just <laughs> as the monster awakens. And we get an eight of diamonds, which is going to be two giant bats for four HP doing a D4 of damage. I should really start choosing my monsters before I make their description. But uh, these are giant bats and they seem to roar. And these bats do roar at the party as they come flittering in. Now, Dakota, wanting to maintain their streak and their lead, is going to step forward and swing their sword. And they will just they will connect with a bat. Uh, they will connect with bat two and do seven points of damage as as bat two comes swooping in. Dakota just steps forward and slices it cleanly in half as it falls screeching to the ground. Ha <laughs> ha! Just had to get warmed up with the skeletons. You give me some. You give me some flesh and blood and I'm unstoppable. Riley is going to roll their eyes as they attempt to find an advantageous position to strike at bat one. And unfortunately, they just missed. They They try to maneuver back behind and underneath and swipe up with their dagger, but they kind of misjudged the height and the way the bat was hovering, and it, it bounced up as they swiped, and they just missed it. Sophie, meanwhile, seeing the ease in which Bat 2 was dispatched, and while still nervous but filled with confidence from her fight with the skeletons. She's going to step forward as well, and attempt to attempt to hit the bat with her quarterstaff, but she's like trying to poke it, like with, she's like trying to poke at it. And as she goes to poke up, she misses. It kind of slides along the bat's wing. Jesse will offer a small chuckle as they step forward which is quickly erased by Jesse's mace also missing the bat. As for the bat, it is going to screech, but it's going to stay kind of hovering above everybody as it is unable to find a good spot to attack. Meanwhile, Dakota is going to roar with laughter. (laughs) It's okay. If you need Dakota to take care of everything, Dakota will take care of everything. And they will swing their sword with another hit dealing two points of damage. So they manage to graze this bat along the belly and blood will rain down on the party as Riley attempts to both dodge out of the way and strike at the now wounded creature. And luckily as they jumped out of the way they got just enough height that they found a place for their knife to land. and. They plunge their knife deep into the creature's chest and manage to pierce its heart, and that bat as well falls to the ground as the party stands in an empty room. Now, Jesse is going to, is going to kind of look over at Riley. Hmm. I thought perhaps that you would have been a little more quiet in your endeavors. Well, now hold your horses, all right? It wasn't my best showing, but you know, we, we did manage to take care of them, dare bats. We? I believe I was the one who took care of them. And everybody's just going to kind of give Dakota the eye. But at the same time, Dakota is really like Dakota is really helping out in these physical contests. So the party is going to continue to move forward. And they are going to continue towards the Right where they get the king of hearts, and as they enter into this room, they don't see any doors or exits except for the one behind them. And right as they step in, right as Dakota steps in, he is hit with a sudden wave of energy as the goblin shaman that was hiding in this room hits them full in the face with blast. Oh, oh, poor Dakota. And Dakota takes six points of damage as their face is just, as their face is just hit with this wave of energy. The rest of the party sees the way that it ripples and the skin kind of tears as Dakota almost falls to their knees. But before anybody else can react, Dakota screams as they jump up and rush this shaman, their sword flashing. Unfortunately, with the blood in their eye, their swing goes wild. Riley runs in quickly after Dakota to try and help at least provide another target for the shaman because everybody can see Dakota's in rough shape. And Riley is unable to find anywhere for their knife to land. Sophie, Sophie will, Sophie will look at the shaman and realize that the shaman might be of help. It would be nice to have an extra magic user, and so Sophie is going to cast thrall, which the enemy must make a save on. So this roll, so the enemy will have to roll eleven or above on a d twenty. <laughs> Oh, man, I saw 20, I saw 15, and then it landed on a 7. So before Jesse can move forward to st- also strike at the, uh, the shaman, its eyes glaze over, and Sophie cries out to everybody, Stop! Stop, 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 stop! It's, it's under my control. I, I have it. I have it. it it's, it's not going to hurt anybody anymore. And the party will gain a temporary ally. And this goblin. I don't think that we should let this goblin live. Did you see what it did to my face? And Dakota is seething. With anger. At what happened. Because they did take a giant. Blast to the face. Now Dakota. Perhaps. Perhaps this creature can be of use to us. While. I don't find myself comfortable with forcing another creature to aid us. Maybe we can consider it a sort of penance for the damage that it has caused. And by the way, Jesse will reach out and will cup Dakota's face in their hands. And warmth will emanate from Jesse's palms into Dakota. And as that dissipates, Dakota will regain four points of health, coming back up to six as Jesse uses their spell heal. Because if there is a time to use it, it is when the warrior was at two HP. So as the party kind of gathers himself, and there's some slight argument back and forth on the morality and whether or not they want to keep the goblin, Dakota begrudgingly agrees, just because at the very least they can send the goblin in first. Though everybody is now a little wary of Sophie, just because of just how easily she walked in and did that, uh, despite the fact that Sophie maintains she cannot do any, like she cannot do it again. Nobody is, like, really convinced. They they are kind of wary. But as this room doesn't have any exits, the party is going to backtrack back into the sleeping quarters that they found, and they will head to the door on the bottom. And stepping through that door, they will find the Three of Hearts, which will be another another cave. The party's going to find themselves in another cavern with an additional three exits and as they look up they see thousands of bats just hanging from the ceiling and Sophie kind of shudders a little bit but everybody else seems very non-concerned after all they after all they very easily dealt with the big bats these little bats weren't going to be any issue if they decided to turn But aside from some chittering and screeching, these bats aren't doing anything. And the party is once again left with a decision of left, right, or center. And they choose to go left once more. where They find the Jack of Hearts, which is going to be a beautiful nature sanctuary. And walking in, they find a cavern that... That seems to glitter with bioluminescent moss. There's just the soft, like there's a soft, gentle light in there, and there's all different types of moss and lichen on the ground that gives it just a pleasant, earthy aroma. The ground is soft under their feet, and they, they just. Find a beautiful spot to rest. Hmm. It seems this might be a place of solace. Perhaps we should pause a moment and recoup ourselves. And nobody had a really good argument for Sophie. After all, after all, Dakota's still a little heated. And everybody else, Dakota's still a little heated. Sophie is tired. And... So they all pause to... They all pause to rest in this spot. And as they do... Dakota and... Dakota and... Jesse both... Feel a... Feel some strength return to them. As they both regain 1 HP. Now after sitting and resting... The party realizes they do have to move on. And... There are two exits, one to the right and one on the bottom of the room. And they feel like the one to the right will connect with the connect with the back cavern, not directly with the back cavern, but with the room that was below the back cavern. So they decide that they are going to they decide that they're going to go down. And as they go down, They find the seven of hearts. Yes. Finally. And they find themselves in a small room. And at the end of this small room, there is a chest. And Riley is the most excited to find this chest. Uh, All right, y'all. Now, this is what I'm talking about. It is about time. We find something like this. Now, y'all stand back a second. You let O'Reilly, you, you let O'Reilly do their thing. And Riley is going to move forward and they are going to check the chest and attempt to deal with anything that they find. As this is a trapped chest. And at a 14, they manage to disarm the trap with a audible click before opening the lid finding the queen of clubs which is which is extreme loot and riley is just going to exclaim oh dog now would y'all look at this and both of riley's hands plunge into the chest pulling out the jack of clubs and the two of clubs which is a silver ring worth 100 gold coins and a potion of health which may add up to 4 hp to someone's health pool. Now Dakota eyes that potion very enviously because after all, it is a red potion. Everybody knows what a red potion is. But nobody says anything right away as Riley goes ahead and slips that silver ring on their finger. But as there seems to be no other way in or out of this room, the party is going to head back up and they will go go back to the nature sanctuary And proceed through the right exit, as that is the only place that they can go. Where they get the Five of Hearts, which is another cavern. They find themselves in another cavern, and smack dab in the middle of this cavern. Standing over a small pile of something glittering, but glaring at them with great menace. is the Ace of Diamonds which is a defiled one. 10 HP and a D8. This will be the defiled bat. The party looks at this giant creature standing on the ground, its wings outstretched, not a velvety brown or a glossy black, but a sickly green as a deep purple seems to run through it. And it looks at them with a slathering, slobbering mouth before letting out a screeching roar. And as the party, as the party runs in, they will push the uh, they will push the goblin out front, and the goblin is going to run up to this bat and attempt to attempt to hit it, but miss wildly. And as Dakota runs up, he's gonna he's gonna call out, huh. What happened to that blast attack that he hit me with? Before slashing with his sword. And Dakota is going to connect. Slashing across the bat's chest. With a deep gouge. As they do five points of damage. Riley is going to circle about, again, looking for an opportunity. Where they can attack finding one as they slash out at this creature's leg causing a minor wound of 1 hp. Sophie is going to Sophie's going to hang out in the back while she has been emboldened by some of her by some of her other combats. This is this is something different entirely. This is definitely very scary to her. And she does not want to get in especially as Goblin just rushed in and didn't seem to do anything and she will squeak at Dakota I'm sorry it it would seem that it doesn't have anything else but Jesse is not one to avoid a fight and they will glide in swinging their mace with the head of their mace connecting solidly against the defiled bat for an additional two points of damage as Jesse seems to be targeting the same leg that Riley hurt in their attempts to maim it. The bat will screech out with fury as it leans down to snap at its attackers. But with, its, with all the damage to its leg, it is off balance and unable to make any type of connection. Meanwhile, Dakota will once again raise their sword and stab fiercely with a miss as their angle seemed to have been slightly wrong and the point kind of skitters off the edge and the blade slides harmlessly as their attack angle was wrong. The flat of the blade sliding against the creature's belly as opposed to the edge. Meanwhile, Riley is once again circling, looking for opportunity, looking for a place to strike, and not finding any. Sophie is, Sophie is continuing to stay in the back. However, the goblin once again rushes at the creature, slashing at it. And the goblin manages to dig its claws into the creature as it digs its claws into the wound that Dakota had made in the creature's chest tearing it open further as this purple blood oozes over the goblin before the bat falls on top of it and let's see if the bat manages to crush the goblin and it does not so the bat falls to the ground just to the side of the goblin in the party leaving nothing but the glittering treasure at its feet. And Riley is quick to move towards the seven of clubs and see what the party might have found, which is a lucky charm, a plus one to all saving throws for the rest of the game. And that is like super powerful. And as the party as the party moves forward they move straight past the creature after all this creature seemed like it was guarding more than just the loot you don't find something like that unless there's something worth guarding I agree with you Dakota perhaps one of these exits will be fortuitous for our venture well I reckon I'm the one who has to go and check now don't I And Riley will pop off and check both exits before coming back to the Ace of Hearts. Finding the stairs down, leading to level two. As the party approaches the stairs, the goblin seems extremely reticent. And Sophie looks at it before nodding. And the goblin goes skittering away into the caverns. And... That is where we will leave that. So that is one shot in the dark, all right? A very classic dungeon crawl experience. Before we get into our thoughts on this, I am going to finish that story. I am going to finish that game, all right? I got two more levels to do, but that's gonna be for my patrons, all right? So if you like this and you wanna see what happens at the end, then make sure you go to Patreon.com/slash BlackDragonDungeonCompany and check us out. We have several options that you can choose from as far as support. But for this game, for this game, very fun, very fun. I really like that. There were some things that I was kind of questionable on in the beginning, but but it did end up playing out really fun. And one of the things that I do like about it. I like the cards for the procedural generation of the dungeon. It's not just just roll dice, roll dice, roll dice, and hope that you find some connecting tunnels and whatnot. That is one of the problems with using something like Dungeons & Dragons Dungeon Master Guide. You could end up with a tunnel that goes on forever and does nothing but make turns, and you end up with, like, beginning of the labyrinth all right Jennifer Jennifer Connolly running along with no turns no edges no anything like that and then you have to find an Oracle to have a worm come out and go hey turn around and walk forward into that wall it's not really a wall with the cards with the cards you have 13 options it's a lot easier to make 13 options that kind of connect to each other and create something that will work. Something that will find an answer. But yeah, no, super super fun game. Really enjoyed it. Like I said, the cards were definitely an interesting mechanic. The combat, the combat is not as fast as they advertise. It's not super fast combat. Cause everybody's rolling D4s except for two people for most of these fights, at least on level one. And only a four will hit. So yeah, yeah, you got a 25% chance for your rogue and your wizard. But this is this is tabletop roleplay, baby. 25 is both really big and really small. It depends on how much you need it. So yeah, it could kind of, like combat could kind of slow down, I imagine, as you travel further on in the game that you will run into stronger monsters. So they are gonna hit more often. And, or at least they're going to hit as often as your Cleric and Barbarian. I have not read ahead on the monsters, but I imagine level two would be like a D6 and level three would be a D8. Actually, let's check that. You know what? Let's check that. Yeah, I'm 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 a genius. <laughs> no, so level two, most of your monsters are a D6 damage dice. Level three, you have a mix of D6 and D8, depending on what type of monster you get. It's the hit points that go up, not necessarily the damage size. But yeah, so that could that could kind of make combat drag, especially if you do a one of each for the characters, because really your barbarian and your cleric have the best ability to hit. Now, I get it. It's, it's going off at the old school feel. Thieves are not rogues. They aren't, they aren't hitting at the same rate. They aren't doing all the extra damage. And wizards are just squishy things that hopefully they have a spell. So, like, I get it. I get it. And it does go with the feel. Like, this felt challenging. It felt fun. Really, Dakota was the only character that I felt was in the least amount of danger. And then Dakota was the one who almost died because they took The blast spell to the face walking into a random room, and like that was great. That was great. I was like, that happened. I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be bad! But yeah, no, definitely a fun game. Really enjoyed it. If you liked it, make sure you go check them out. This game is only a dollar fifty on drive through RPG. All right, now drive through had drive through doesn't have great. Links for saying so. Make sure you check in the show notes down below to get the link to this. All right, go check this game out One Shot in the Dark by Tale of the Manicor and make sure you check out their podcast as well. Great podcast, highly recommend it. But I have been Steel Stash and this has been Lonely TTRPG brought to you by the Black Dragon Dungeon Company. Thank you very much for listening. If you like this, remember to give us a rating, a like, a subscribe, all of that fun jazz. And if you really like us, then go ahead and check out Patreon, where you can listen to the rest of this playthrough and get early access, get access to all of our games, all of that stuff. Really try to build a community over there. And remember to share with your friends if you can't and if you're not in a position for Patreon, and you're not in a position to pick up any of our games, that's cool as well. Then make sure you share us with your friends. All right, word of mouth goes a long way. Or send me a send me an email and say, hey, love the show. You can reach me at blackdragondungeoncompany at gmail.com, or find me on Twitter at bddc underscore pod. But that's all that I have. That's all the plugs. That's everything. Remember, I must ask y'all to stay awesome.